everybody to the movie overload podcast. This is the podcast thing. Yeah. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Welcome now, dear listener friends. No, no, no. Here. Howdy, hello, everybody. Welcome to the forty-second annual movie overload podcast. Gather around, children. Yes. It is time for the movie overload podcast. This is. Episode 42, in which we talk about Harold and Maude. This is our first movie of the 70s, I believe. I am um, half committing to being um, that person from that one film. And with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Aiden and Hunter. I'm not always with you. Hi. Don't misrepresent me. Yeah. Which which is which? I introduced you both, uh, but you kind of needed to sound uh, off. There, it's kind of how this works. I'm Aiden, I guess. Oh shoot, we're both Aiden. That's weird. <laughs> okay, yeah. Are there I'm any other Aidens I should know about? <laughs> I, I'm meow. Is this behind me? On the world. That is a top garment of some sort. I. Uh, I'm Hunter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. Well, now we're here and we're ready to talk about yeah Harold and Maude. Like I already said, yes. but like for some uh, reason you guys did not transition from me introducing to talking about the film. Well, I don't I, know I'm where sorry, the miscommunication Plant, Usually happened. we have like some banter here. <laughs> no, sorry. My name is half committing. Oh, half oh. committing. Okay. To uh, that one character from that one movie. Oh, oh okay. As I'm sure you. <laughs> the one movie. The have one. you ever seen it? Uh, yes, uh, it's directed by Hal Ashby. Uh, it came out in 1971. It is about, uh, it's kind of like if the graduate was really chill and had like positive hippie vibes. Yes. Uh, I feel like it's more bohemian than like. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, that's the thing. See, it's like a moody goth dude in his 20s like meets a got meets a jock complete total jock (laughs) meets a bohemian who lives in a train car and just like stealing stuff because an 80 year year old jock yeah uh she's so cool yeah Yeah. no i like it's weird how you just you really like them together Uh yeah they're so sweet that's really chill I, I, i like the bit where he makes his car into a hearse. He, what? <laughs> yeah. Make, so, he, um, he buys a hearse. Yeah. She's like, nah, dog. I'm going to get rid of your hearse and give you a sports car. And then he turns a sports car into a hearse. Oh, okay. I thought it was just a different car. No, it's still it's still the same one. <laughs> okay. You can tell based off of the front end of the car. Okay. I didn't look that close. Yes. And yes. by the fact that it can't really actually fit a coffin anymore. Sure. His mom is is desperate, desperately trying to make him an upstanding member of society. Why she's just trying to make him somewhat normal? normal. Well, she's just like, I. Yep. hey, okay, so you're, you're being weird. I don't know what to do. You're going to get married. That's what, that's what you're going <laughs> to do. I uh, thought at first it really seems like she's going to be like, it's time you get a job. Nope. Nope. They're too rich for they that. They got money, apparently. It's not that I want you to do anything. It's just that I want you to be the the kind of socialite that I am. Well, that's the weird thing about being rich 
because you'd think, oh, rich people, they can just do whatever they want. But no, they have to be sub- subject to garbage too. Weird social garbage. Oh, look at because since we're money all the doesn't same. matter, <sighs> don't be mean. Don't be mean to Jeff Bezos. He's got a similar, like he's got to figure out what to do with all that money. That's a, just about as hard, oh, yeah. you know. Well, when you think about it, honestly, though, like the social systems that make us miserable also make the rich miserable. Like it's not it's really true. beneficial. Like no one's actually happy in this scenario. All of us are just miserable and are trying to get it over on each other so because some of them can just buy themselves a hearse whenever you know like god imagine if i could just go out and buy a hearse like wouldn't my life be different you know <laughs> wouldn't you yeah wouldn't you'd have you? a hearse i would have a hearse it'd be a bit different you'll be driving in a hearse you might accidentally wind up starting a few processions of people just following you i was thinking about the song that mentions being in a hearse from but i'm a cheerleader and then i remembered that bud court like who's in like the lead in this movie is the dad and but i'm a cheerleader what yeah nice uh that grows a beard and he and and he's remember and and the whole bit with him is that he lost his job, and so uh, the the mom had to like support the family for a no. bit, and that's why their daughter's a lesbian. Uh, he did not grow a beard; he grew like a little mustache thing, and he's completely unrecognizable in his old age. It's really funny. Yeah, anyway, I, I thought that was funny. That that is weird because he's playing like the stereotypical like dweeby nerdy like father figure sort of thing like pocket protector yeah but he's like a good christian dad you know if you're gonna be lesbian you can't you can't live here anymore we can't talk to you ever again you know you're not welcome back home yeah a good christian dad that's uh you know what i mean right guys Okay, starting the podcast over in three, <laughs> two, one. Why, 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 why? Uh, this is a movie. Uh, do we have things to say about the movie? No. Hunter is sleeping, so I don't think he does. I I don't like. Okay, <laughs> I love this movie. I love. This I movie really enjoyed this movie so much. I don't know what to say about it though. It's interesting where it fits in. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting where it fits in in the the timeline of our films, though, because it's it's the first movie of the seventies. We finally gotten out of the the slog of of the sixties, <laughs> and boy, does it feel like we've gotten out of a slog. Like it's it's smooth, it's fast, it's quick, it's just delightful and nice. Um, but it does really take chill. a lot of what we had in New Hollywood, kind of starting with it feels like The Graduate, yeah. and it does all of that, but in a way that's like actually attempting to be nice and wholesome and pleasant well and that does make it stand out from all of the other movies that we watch because they're generally very like philosophical or deep or depressing or long or something and this is just a short fast nice movie it is a wholesome black comedy yeah because he he commits some gruesome suicides <laughs> and it 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 was not offensive to me 
it did not trigger me. You know, it's, it's so weird because like he is the, my chemical romance kid back in the 1970s who is like those pants. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. Watch the movie for the pants. Sorry. Continue. What? No, it's, his costuming is really interesting, I think, because he, he spends most of the time in, like, this brown suit, uh, and but he also, like, wears, like, like this gold bracelet thing, chain, and a bunch of, like, big kind of clunky rings, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure, like, how that fits in with the whole, like goth kid who just like has faked uh stage like 15 elaborate fake suicides to like get be edgy to his mom like i don't know how that that all fits together well, it's because goth didn't really exist yet no like this this is the beginning of of the goth this is goth yeah. before punk even you know and it, it's so weird because he doesn't wear black uh he doesn't like it, it, it's like his face is very, very pale. Like it does yeah. look like he's wearing makeup to make mm-hmm. his face more pale, but not like accentuating the eyes. You know, not like this contrast of white and black. It's just paling him out to look like a ghost. Yeah, which is also interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's my thought. Is like people who are goth now are goth in an aesthetic way. Yeah, and and you know, and maybe maybe I can I can vibe with to an extent with like some of the like you know emotive kind of vibey aspects Mm -hmm. but i mean not it's none of it's as intense as this kid you know yeah i mean i don't know anybody who's goth who like you know you, you try to go see what they're up to and they're like laying in the bathroom with blood all over the mirrors and or just you know Going to open. funerals every day because right. they're rich and they have nothing else to do and that makes them like Or literally driving a hearse. Driving a hearse. Well and it feels very performative through the whole thing. And yeah. by the end it it's kind of coded as this is a a phase because he is uncertain and mm. he has no idea what he's doing. Sure. With his life. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. Where things and stuff and stuff and things. Do you remember that bit in in the pod, in the in, in the movie that we watched? Do you remember that bit yeah. in the movie that we watched? Yeah. When uh, he, he keeps having, like, essentially computer dates over. Yeah. And, he, and he's, like... He sets himself on fire outside the window. Oh my goodness! But, it, but it's not him. But it's but it is. But it's not. I thought maybe it was like a lookalike somehow. Maybe I I really don't know. I'm not really sure it. what they it did. It was there. pretty impressive. It was through yeah. the window and it was kind of distorted. Like he looked. But the weird goofy. thing is that he looks so much younger than all of the girls who come to That's date true. him. That's true. He does and have a baby. It's face. uncomfortable. He looks really young. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is like in his twenties. Yeah. Uh, but. But it's interesting that it's a computer date. Yeah, well, like it's very specifically like, hey, we found this person online. Well, it wasn't online. Well, not online, yeah. I guess. But, but yeah, it was like, like you send some in sort of this questionnaire yeah. and the computer yeah. compiles them to find somebody who's compatible. Yeah, yeah. And he goes through three of them. And I don't know why the last one doesn't work. 
you know well, I because think... she like fake kills herself too yeah yeah and then and then she comes in and she goes that was your last was one your last date <laughs> yeah i don't know if maybe just mom didn't approve at that point or something maybe. i don't know <laughs> i i think I, that it's 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 this whole energy about the way that the relationship between he and him and his mom works because mm-hmm. when she's setting up the it's a, it's a mail service <laughs> it's like a, a center for like things and she's walking through the questionnaire and she's like yeah. what do you think and then she answers the question for herself mm-hmm. and so she's building a profile of herself true, yeah. and marking it as her son she's a lesbian i maybe i should tag this one under secretly gay as well <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting because they do seem to get get along a little bit better she she and all the dates yeah yeah um but also it's weird can you imagine trying to find a date through a computer mail service and then you show up and it's a giant rich mansion and you're just talking to the guy's mom the whole time wouldn't you feel incredibly uncomfortable like you're being interviewed i think it's supposed to be feeling like alienating like this whole but world. But they don't seem to look like they're super uncomfortable. Like they're all kind of acting like it's normal. Well, in theory, they're all kind of like doing the online service because they're in a similar situation. So they're in big mansions and their parents mm. are like, ooh, you need to get married. Uh, and so they're like, okay, I'll go into this service thing yeah. here. Well, she said it only cuts out the fat and ugly. She didn't say that it cuts out the the poor. Uh true but like how many poor people do you think could afford the service and or would like like who would there's a reason why she chose it and i think that like mindset going in that's a good point you know yeah i it feels very aristocratic either way mod is the better choice i think we all can understand that mod is the better choice ultimately i i mean they're they're cute together. You they know? are cute, and I think that's the part way of the, the movie reason. ends is sad. But like, they're cute. So yes, like the third date, she also is like exactly like him, but it's also saying no, that's wrong. You don't need someone who is exactly like you. You need someone who's different than you and helps you see a different perspective, and kind of balances you. I think that's the yeah, and then when she turns eighty, she can just take the pills, and then but she cries. Basically, says she's going to do. She from does. The start. Yeah, it's true. And it, that kind of I, I do appreciate that actually, because a lot of times mm-hmm. when there's a scene or something like that happens in in a movie, I feel like a lot of more immature storytellers just kind of try to surprise you with it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, ooh, bet you didn't expect yeah. that twist. And I think that that's disrespectful. Well, and I think that, like, the whole concept of the twist is so much less effective than, like, that gnawing inevitability. Mm-hmm. Like, the mm-hmm. Hitchcock mm-hmm. theory of suspense sort of thing where, no, the audience, you you know these particular pieces of information and that creates the tension. And mm-hmm. what movies based around twists and trying to surprise the audience do is that it removes suspense you never could have guessed the thing because i didn't tell you about it yeah see look at you're stupid ha 
fuck you, audience. Or I have beat you. In good movies where there's a twist, they throw strew things along to hint at you that something's coming. Like, I'll give that to The Sixth Sense, you know? Yeah, but the point of that is that you aren't supposed to be entirely sure. That's the reason why it's a twist, because, oh, it subverts an expectation, which it requires you to, like, be side-blinded. Like, That's not... Yeah, the, it, it, well, like, it, it, it requires... Well, it requires something that's already there to be twisted, not yeah. it just introduce a new thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and like, that's the best kind of twist is the one that, like, you can look back and be like, I should have seen it from the start. Yeah. But it was subtle enough that it was, like, you Not get the there. way that, like, BBC Sherlock does it, where, yeah. like, they remove the elements that you right. could have guessed. Yeah, no. The best ones are always, like, you get there at the end and you're like, this makes total sense, but also I'm still completely surprised. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it's working. So that's like a mystery. Right. But this was not a mystery. (laughs) There's the mystery. Yeah. And then there's like a thriller or a suspense. Well, that's true. That's true. There's different. And so they have different things and what the motives are. And this is like tragedy, like old school tragedy. Like. Yeah. Yeah. This does feel like it's like a traditional. Yeah. What would it be? a, A. Aristotelian tragic form or something. But my question, because I could see someone reading the movie negatively as Maud's death being there for the sake of Harold's character development and his, Mm. like, final development, because he kind of becomes a, like, kind of takes on Maud's philosophy after her death. Right. And, and that's that's sweet in its own way. Mm-hmm. But I do think that like she does it because she wants to. Yeah. Still. Oh yeah. yeah. Like like it it feels like from the very beginning that she's like pretty insistent of like nah 80. 80 mm-hmm. that's the right. That's a good time. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I think that that like I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, I guess, still. But but I do think that it, it doesn't feel like it's just for the sake of Harold's character development. It's yeah. also part of her, like, yeah. kind of already extant philosophy on life is sort of this, like, do... In a weird... Like, I think there's more to it, but it's sort of just do what you want, be who you want to be in any way you can, regardless of any kind of societal rule. Mm-hmm. And... Mm. Sort of some of that means, I guess if I want to kill myself because I want to die at 80, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And this is just as normal and natural for me as me stealing <laughs> every car that exists <laughs> so other people aren't attached to things or, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it else it is. And, and that's, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people would obviously disagree with that from a, from a, moral or philosophical standpoint that like you know committing suicide is just as much ah it's your own choice it's fine whatever as the other things right um Mm. a lot of people would disagree (laughs) on that but it is it it does feel like the the natural like conclusion of her philosophy still so i don't i don't think that it comes out of nowhere in that sense well, I don't like. I don't think it does either, and I I don't think that 
there is a contingent of people that really read the movie this way. But there is a trend in movies, just generally, mm-hmm. of having a female, like, protagonist die and then following, like, the reaction of the male protagonist. And a lot of the time it is used kind of cynically. And I think the thing that makes yeah. this stand out so much more is the characters themselves. Yeah, yeah no, I, I would agree. I think they're... I think it rubs me the wrong way in a lot of movies when that kind of thing happens, or mm-hmm. you can just tell that a female character exists in any way for the sake of, of the male character development. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, I mean, obviously people would point to like 500 days of summer or you know movies like that. Um, that's what's called, right? Well, so there um, is 500 yeah. days of summer. I, I think I, I for one don't love that movie, but I think the point of that movie is that, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character sees her as being uh, like a stereotypical like model of the girl who's going to fix you and slowly realizing, oh, wait, she's an actual person. <laughs> yeah, and and then that fixes him. And, like, it, like, it's she still yeah. is... Even though Doesn't it's trying she... to do that, it's still... She's still entirely just fulfilling a role. Doesn't she kind of suck in his though? life? She does kind of suck. She's in like some not ways. a good person. Well, yeah. Well, that's the point because they like, don't treat each who other really very well. is a good person? They don't treat each other very nice. No, and they just kind of fall apart. I don't know. I didn't really land with that movie. But I, I didn't. I didn't particularly either. <laughs> but I do still feel like whatever the intention are is with that movie, the result is still she exists for his character development. Even if it's for him to recognize she doesn't exist for his character development, that's the only reason why she's there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I need a girl yeah. to tell to explain to me, and, and you know that girls aren't there just for me. Yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't fully work because of that. I think, but and there are, but there are a lot of movies that do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh scott pilgrim is a piece of shit and he continues to be a piece of shit (laughs) but like the only reason he like sort of kind of maybe tries to learn something or whatever is kind of because ramona is there yeah makes him have to do things and knives and yeah whatever well and i think again but he needs them to learn the to to gain the power of self-respect they need to be there on his journey to respect himself I think that's regardless of like, the fact that he doesn't fully really respect them. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim is a uh, annoying character. I think that the movie kind of it doesn't it 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 has aged a bit for me since I first saw it because I I I yeah. I, I do see a lot more of its flaws, but I think that it makes up for at least partially. Like that sort of mentality with the fact that Roma- Ramona is a far more interesting character than Scott. I think, well, yeah, that's all certainly true. I, I, I'm not trying to, to shit on any well, yeah. of these no, movies no, no. in particular, <laughs> but I do see that this trend is something that's very much carried into the modern day. Well, I guess modern day being specifically 2010, I, I guess, for my I find it really weird that but... you're picking <laughs> movies that seem specifically aware of this trend and, and I not... still think that they fulfill it. Well, and not movies that are that went on and like perpetrate this. Like this was 
the I think the main discourse around this in feminist circles came around in comics criticism hmm. because there is the fridging trope where mm. the hero's girlfriend gets killed by the villain at some point. Right. Uh, I think the first one is commented upon was a Green Lantern arc where the, the hero's girlfriend is literally stuffed into a fridge. Her <laughs> dead body is in the fridge, and it's uh. just so that he can like fulfill his character arc. And yeah. it's completely uncritical. Or like Lois sort of kind of only exists for Superman to rescue her in a, in a lot of circumstances. And... Yeah. Whereas in the 2010s, I see a lot of response to the over-romanticization of our whole culture. How everything is like mentally based and figured around romance in our lives because we've been experiencing media that is focused so much on romance everything Mm -hmm. is kind of driven in that direction and so it's people trying to figure out how do we move past this how do we stop seeing each other as romantic objects how do we stop romantically objectifying people and actually just be with people how do we see people as people again but that's the thing is that a lot of these movies that think they're being smart about that are just doing the manic pixie dream girl thing and I guess that's my point is like even still it manages to fulfill that in a way that well, I guess I ultimately th- the point is this movie doesn't really do that. I don't think they are in in the traditional sense because the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a trope that really came to prominence in the 2000s, right? With like Garden State and um, whichever the one where Natalie Portman is not Natalie Portman, Kira Knightley. Shoot, like someone, yeah. Uh, the Zach Braff movie. Yeah, that's Garden State. Garden State. Yeah, and well, oh, Elizabeth Town, Elizabeth Town, the other one, mm. where it's like a quirky girl coming in and changing a man's life. Right. And then those other films are like a reaction. Yes. No. Like I, 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 I see what you're saying, and I've definitely like. I've read interesting discourse on this, but ultimately I guess the conclusions that I've reached are even if Ramona flowers and um, what's her name in 500 days of summer are kind of a response to the manic pixie dream girl. They still ultimately fulfill the manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, and I think that they, I think they do like it, In just, the sense of like the determinism of all cinema, because all cinema popular cinema has to have the character go through an arc and so technically anything that happens in the story is to fulfill that arc but i think the problem with the manic pixie dream girl is not that it helps a male character fulfill an arc it's that it's the only purpose of that character the character on its own she is like just there she doesn't have an arc she doesn't have development she isn't an engaging or interesting character she's just there to like advance the storyline of another character well i I don't see i do feel like those i do feel like they're kind of both plot device characters though but the thing that i don't see with harold and Maud is that it feels like the, the thing that is effective for harold is the relationship with Maud, yeah. not Maud. If that makes sense. Like Maude isn't the way that she is to get Harold's brain to work right or for his life to go in order. It's actually the relationship that they develop that has that effect on Harold. And in, in at least in, in the way that I see that movie. Whereas I still see any way you look at it, Ramona Flowers 
is a character who exists for Scott. I I very much disagree with you on this because I think <laughs> that both of them have actual arcs in the story and their interactions help fulfill each other's arcs. Ramona, like the reason I really hate the theatrical ending of the film because they end up together because as I read the film, both of their arcs are realizing, Ramona's arc specifically is realizing that she she has been placing too much of her self-worth and her identity in her romantic relationships. And she is, she has these like seven evil exes because she always ends up, has to be in a relationship with someone. And she always ends up right. in bad relationships. And Scott is also a bad relationship. And she realizes that she has to break it off. And then after she has that realization, she's like, I'm fixed now. I guess we can actually have a relationship. Which, uh, that doesn't quite scan for me, but she does have it's an because arc. that's what Scott wants. Um, yes, I, I do see what you're saying. And I'm not here to say that, like, I don't think a character like Ramona has any depth or has an arc of her own. But that doesn't mean that she's not a plot device. Even if she has some kind of depth and interest, she still ultimately ends up being a plot device in a way that, at least to me, feels a little bit less... By that definition, Wholesome. literally every everyone in a in a mo- movie is a plot device for the protagonist, which I think you could make no. that argument. Well, but yes, but no. I, I'm trying to make a different distinction than that. I don't know. I'm not communicating myself well clearly. Maybe we can move on. Maybe Hunter cuts out the last half an hour of conversation. <laughs> Maybe the audience wants to kill me. But what I'm saying is, I think that it is the existence of the person that is fulfilling the role in somebody else's life versus the interaction with the person that is fulfilling the role with somebody's life. That's the distinction I'm trying to make. And I think that Ramona is fundamentally a character that her existence, her place in the story Mm -hmm. is fulfilling what Scott needs. Whereas in this, it's actually the relationship with that person that's fulfilling what Harold needs. That's the distinction that I'm trying to make. And I think that those are different things because in that light, at least to me, Maude doesn't feel like she's objectified in the same way that Ramona does. And I know that they're, they're both characters with their own kind of depth and their own kind of agency, but I, but it, it, it's, it's the, it's the relational aspect. I think that is, is what has the effect on Harold. That was the old, that was the point I was trying to make. Ramona is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Maude is 80. I think there's a reason why you're seeing one as being objectified and the other as not, especially with like Edgar Wright's like directing style being so like specifically aesthetic as opposed to Hal Ashby's style, which is laid back and relational. I think that it's just a different language. And like I think everything in Scott Pilgrim is objectified and is like that sort of heightened uh like ah, all at you, just trying to like it's provocational visually. It's just energy everywhere. And I think you're confusing like the energies of the movies for the actual uh i can tell that this is like this is a terrible argument because hunter literally just got up and left 
I, I don't know. I don't like, think... I, I know, I think I know what you're saying. Is this a useful argument? I don't know. He's probably going to cut it out anyway. He never cuts out the stuff we want him to cut out. Well, you don't tell me. <laughs> I'm not good at figuring it out. I'm sorry. I'm coming back. <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to have this conversation no. because I thought it was impactful on how this movie deals with the romantic relationship there. Because yeah, well, I think that, but that's different. Well, I, but I think that's what's different about it than something like Scott Pilgrim still, because. The interaction with Ramona is an enjoyable thing to watch on film because she's an interesting character and whatever. I think but the Scott point of that grows... movie is that they have a very shallow surface level relationship, whereas Harold and Maude have a more interesting, complex relationship where they are taking much more from each other mm-hmm. and actually connecting like the difference is is that harold and maude is a kind of good relationship which is supposed to be specifically interesting because it breaks down so many of our preconceptions we don't see movies where there is this sort of age gap where a female character is dating a significantly younger male character and is framed in a positive light it happens in yeah. reverse all the time, and it never happens in this direction, and that makes it really different, and it makes it really stand out. It's it's wholesome, The Graduate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that it just it 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 does really stand out how not only just like how, how much of a character she is and how interesting she is, but, um, but I think the way that Harold responds is not in this, um, way of putting her on a pedestal. It's of like wanting to like continue to develop a relationship with her and interact with her. Mm. You know what I mean? Like she isn't this like ultimate kind of stable good in his life she's a she's just fully a human being that he wants to be around and interact yeah. with well, and, that's and i what think makes that this, is different that's what makes this a really healthy relationship because they are seeing each other as humans and making a connection from there instead of what i think a lot of the 2010s films are reacting to is the fact that with the way that we have grown up with romance how we have our, our parents watched John Hughes movies. We watched movies f- from people who watched John Hughes movies. And every kid's movie, almost, like, I remember so many kids' movies, they have a romantic pairing between the kids who are, like, five. They're, like, eight. <laughs> and then, like, oh, the main character, who's usually a boy, kisses the other main character, who's usually a girl at the end. Or it's implied that, oh, and they'll go off, go on and get married. she's two years older than he is. <laughs> yeah. It's something like that, where it happens, and 
I feel like I've been programmed from Does, to, when I was a kid to always be like you're always you always have to be in a relation you like you're always everyone always has this like romantic thing right like oh yeah you're supposed to like a girl and you're supposed to get together at the end and that's how life works yeah well i I don't know what the context is for this and you can even cut this out i don't care but but like my counselor asked just out completely out of the blue talking about something completely different and he was like do you have a crush Mm -hmm. i was like huh like a (laughs) like a like a romantic Uh kind of a he's like yeah i was like i haven't not in like years uh no and like you kind of think and reflect back on that you're like wow that's you know i didn't think that was possible as a child you know because you you sort of do have this communication Mm -hmm. of there's like Mm -hmm. somehow have to be some kind of object of your romantic interest at all times or something yeah i always had a crush through like when i was in elementary school through middle school and I have slowly fallen off of that. I don't even know what that feeling actually is anymore. I knew that I my brain chemistry was garbage in middle school, and I wrote some of the worst poetry I oh, have man. ever read oh. based off of like weird feeling, romantic-ish feelings I had back then. Mm. And now it just feels completely different. I'm like, do I do I feel that way towards people do i like want or have the desire for a relationship right now or has that just changed because all my feelings are less extreme because i've felt them for longer now and i'm like oh yeah no this is this is fine when you were Mm. in a play with a girl and you started crying in church thinking about her that that was a bit much back then (laughs) that was a bit much uh oh man what's that from the I'm afraid that I've felt everything I'm I'm going to feel and now everything that I feel from now on is just going to be lesser versions of things I've already <laughs> yeah. felt. Yes. What's that from? Uh, it's from a very you movie. That yeah. I know I've it's, seen it. What? Oh, is that her? Yeah. Yeah, that's from her. Yeah, that's from mm-hmm. her. It that that sounds like a line from a movie that you'd like. That is your exact <laughs> vibe. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, that's a it. It has application. Like, I think that's the kind of movie that I like is a movie that has emotional application for other times in life. Like, if I can't pull out a line and take something from it and and feel like when I need it, when something happens, like I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only way I know that I like a movie. Like I'll have a good feeling and I'll enjoy a movie, but if a line doesn't come back into my head when I need it, then I don't really like it. Interesting. Um, I know I love a movie. Like I know I love this movie. Is when it starts, I just get a feeling uh, where I'm like, I'm gonna love this movie. Mm-hmm. When this movie starts, and you're just watching Harold shoes as he's walking around with that Cat Stevens just playing in the background. I am just there. I am so there. Uh, it, it it helps that Hal Ashby started as an editor and continues to bring into this film some of my favorite film editing ever. It's impactful 
yet not flashy. It's interesting and playful, but it doesn't feel jarring. And it feels so at peace with what the rest of the movie is. Because when Harold and Maude come back, uh, she steals his car and picks him up in it. Uh, and then he, she's like, oh, I've never driven a hearse. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is my car. I've driven it. Oh, you should drive me home. And he gets out of the passenger door, and he walks all the way around, and he goes and he pulls to open his side of the door, and then it cuts to him opening the passenger side door at her house. Yeah, that one really stood out. And there are so many just just moments like that where where there it chooses and you can tell that from the directing chair the the editing choices were being made there mm-hmm. at some level or you know maybe you just go through you find the energy and then the editing room you just find all the magic that's there it's just it's just floating there because it is weird how Ashby is kind of famous mm-hmm. for he has this run in the 70s where he does uh, like Harold and Maude being there. Uh, the last, uh, he does like a Vietnam movie with, was it like Kurt Russell or something? Um, oh, I'm forgetting the, I'm forgetting the other movies he does. Uh, he does uh, one with Jack Nicholson where he's a sailor. Uh, shoot. Anyways, he has a, stri- uh, a run of like really solid classic movies through the 70s and then he hits the 80s and he keeps making movies but none of them are actually impactful or even particularly memorable and mm. it just like he had that period and then it's, it's and then it just it just went on and he had he had those years yeah it's really it's really interesting how absolutely of its time it is mm. Like I was thinking about it and sure, like you can think, look about the costuming and, and the whatever. <laughs> Literally asleep. Literally snoring in the microphone. <laughs> said such a long I actually day. like heard that and like kind of, no- but like didn't fully process that it was me. I swear I've been like conscious. Maybe you should like sit up. I don't know. Yeah, that might help if you weren't lying basically (laughs) flat. Like I didn't think that I would actually get the sleeping. Well, it's like pitch black out. We can't see anything, and you're laying down, so it's understandable. (laughs) I did myself no favors. No, Um, I got no idea what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I guess ultimately my opinion on those kinds of movies is that whether or not they're trying to comment on the trope, they still fulfill the trope in a way that I have a little bit of a problem with. But that doesn't mean that they're bad movies or poorly intentioned. Oh, I just think that this movie isn't like that. We're going yeah. But anyway. Okay. Um, oh, oh, the 70s thing. Uh, it, it does feel of its time. All the production, obviously all the music and and the the costuming and everything sure feels 70s but there's like an ethereal 70s-ness to the subject matter maybe like that there's just something about this movie that feels like even if you changed all of the trappings it would still be a very 70s movie yeah like if you couldn't really remake it and people think that 
this came out now. Well, you like, have Maud's character just being so essentially like that sort of people with that bohemian energy still exist, but it seems so just like stapled to this moment in the 20th century. Yeah. Where this movie comes out. Yeah. And I also feel like you don't see rich people and movies in, in, in a just completely yeah. neutral light or mostly neutral light. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Yeah. A lot of uh, natural light candles, windows, <laughs> So many windows in that house. I mean, that's not really what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, but you know, like, like either it's it's talking about if there's rich people in a movie, either it's like, man, look at the excess. Isn't that like fucking cool capitalism, bro? <laughs> and if not, then it's like, wow, aren't rich people evil? But like, I do feel like there's an extent to which, like you were saying earlier at the beginning of the podcast, like, rich people have very similar problems in this movie that, that <laughs> other people have. Mm-hmm. He's and just that's like not something dude. that would happen in a movie now. You he's know? like a dude who happens yeah. to be in a rich family. Yeah. He's, he's mm-hmm. a dude who happens to be rich. He's not a rich <laughs> dude. Yeah. He didn't have to be the shrewd person to get that to that point. We don't even have to know how they get the money. Yeah. True. They could have stolen it from fairies. Maybe. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Pulled is off a He's high Artemis <laughs> Fowl. <laughs> this is the Artemis Fowl movie Maybe. we always wanted. Because you know what? Holly Short was about 80, wasn't she? Probably. Mm. Damn. Mm. Really makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> Except for the fact that they don't end up together, and that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. But they almost do, and you're like, oh. Interesting. Oh, are you talking about Artemis Fowl? Yeah. I'm like, Which one? Yeah, no. I, Not really, though. I, I, they I, kind of almost do in the time paradox because they get all hormonal. This is weird. Well, yeah. except that's sort of the I thing where you're like, oh, yeah, they're teenagers. They have hormones. Ah, but otherwise, they do have a professional relationship. Yeah. I kind of like them, though. I kind of shipped them as a kid, <laughs> I think. Yeah, especially with the way easy. the last guardian ends, it's kind of cute. I don't remember anything about that. Book. What she I, like because he loses his memory, oh, yeah. and she like tells him the story of himself and the, and her and I love it when we have to put spoiler together. warnings for other random Ooh. pieces of media all over. Spoiler <laughs> warning for this movie, but but also for Artemis Fowl. It's like a decade old. Oh my goodness. Uh, not the movie one, the book one. Yeah. Be, be warned, bitch. I feel like when I was a kid... Fuck Woody Allen. I had the most boring sh- shipping taste where like, I was trained to... like Every time there was a male and a female in the same space, I'm like, oh, they sh- they, they're going to get together. In like any piece of media, hmm. that was just my mindset. Yeah, it's very boring. And that is pretty boring of you. I can't even remember the last time I actually saw someone like actually doing it. Like I didn't head really pairing like... as a ship. Like internet culture is just like yeah, yeah that is true. boring, isn't it? And everyone's Ew. like, yeah, kind of head is. pairings, yuck. Um, it makes me think of Shira. Cause I watched some of it. 
and and <laughs> and there's a dude and there's a gal and I was like, man, they're the most friends that you could possibly be. That's the most friend zony friendship. I love that. So good. Completely platonic. And my little sister's watching with me and she's like, oh, do you think they're going to get married? Do you think they like each other? And I'm like, nope, I'm pretty sure they're friends. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, I know enough about this to know that there's kind of more between. Uh, it's, it's actually it's more about Catra actually is is the object of of desire for adora adora in in a way um not this dude but gwen's like oh my gosh they're like he totally likes her and i'm like no no that would be so boring and lame no yeah anyway if that's what happens I'm I'm gonna quit the show (laughs) but it's not going to happen nobody would like the show if they got together I yeah. you can cut that out too. I don't care. No, we need to cut out the whole podcast. Honestly, cut out the whole podcast. Wait, wait. This is the this is your new podcast. Okay, we can do a fifteen second episode. Welcome everybody to the Movie Overload Podcast. Rick Woody Allen. My name is that person. I'm with Hunter and Aiden, <laughs> and today we're going to talk about Harold and Maude. We thought Harold and Maude was good. It was a short movie from the seventies, yeah. and we thought it had some nice things about it. And that mod was an interestingly complex character. And also the word bohemian and hearse show up a few times. (laughs) Thank you for listening. As we say at the end (laughs) of every episode of the podcast. Quote from the movie. Wahoo! Find find a quote from the movie. Wait, what's the quote thing that you're going to find? Oh, um, maybe the quote is... The quote is wahoo! Wahoo! And thank you for listening. Okay, bye. (laughs) Oh, movieoverload.pod.com. <laughs> that's not the URL. <laughs> movie Overload Podcast. Yeah, no, movie that. Pod. It's movie Overload Pod. That's what I said. You said dot pod.com. Yeah. Oh, that will not work. I stuttered. No, it's okay. I, Did I stutter? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's that a fun time. Yeah. Well. Um, so thank you for listening. Good, <laughs> good job. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for you. You know, it's very yeah. interesting. I'm sure you, I'm sure everyone who's not listening would be so interested to hear the fact that when we started, it was there was sunshine. Uh, now it is very dark in this room. It's getting pretty dark. Uh, We've been trying. If, if it's been cut out, just know that Hunter fell asleep and started <laughs> snoring during one part of the I'm, podcast. Recording. I might just keep it in. What really? Is <laughs> <laughs> what? What is what is the point of a podcast where we spend two hours before the podcast trying not to record the podcast, then spend the entire podcast trying not to record the podcast? Because <laughs> no. that's that's just our podcast. Okay, I I really do think that we need to get back into doing at least some research on the movies before Ooh. talking about them. Not not as much as we did before. Okay, yeah. We don't be need useful. to do a full report, yeah. but it would so be useful to actually have talking, talking points. points. No, something. I do think maybe sure. if we had a shared document of talking points, maybe before we started, then we'd make this like an actual fucking podcast for once. Sure. You stupid sons of bitches. But not, not you two. I'm talking to the listeners. You pieces <laughs> of shit for listening to this garbage. <laughs> Fuck off. Give <laughs> us your money on Patreon. <laughs> 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 I, wait. I do I, appreciate the fact that if anyone no. actually donates to our Patreon, it would be 
distinctly out of spirit with the podcast that they're listening to, <laughs> which constantly, implicitly implores them to never give us money. <laughs> Fuck you. Give me money, you piece of shit. I, <laughs> I got my some of my family to like half watch the first couple episodes of what of why are you like this oh nice <laughs> oh and, man and i forgot that she like was it the <laughs> menstrual cup episode that you got to yeah did they not enjoy that i don't know i don't think they cared okay they seemed to think it was i feel like so i could funny. find them being squeamish about it or at least hannah know. for some reason yeah well, hannah was the only one that wasn't there actually okay oh. but uh I thought that you, was like the funniest thing you, that I've like, ever seen in my life. You like abusing people and also asking yes. them for money. Was no, like, that's oh, exactly yeah, what I was like thinking. The Findom stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But not even remotely. I'll sexual. fucking rip your cock off and <laughs> give me 25 more dollars, uh, you stupid bitch. Man. I, I don't even think about calling the police. <laughs> 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 it was pretty good. It was very good. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's that show is funny. It is. I realized I still haven't watched that one episode that I didn't watch. Oh, I need to do that. That's so sad. Wow. Is I really it available like somewhere now. It's, it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's got a good. I haven't been on Netflix. I actually got a ages. decent amount of viewership. I don't know if Ooh, there's going to be another season, so. but it's only six I episodes. I did see people talk about it a little nice. bit. Oh, I have so. not. So I wish that I did. And although, to be honest, I followed the creators on Twitter, so maybe they just That's retweeted it fair. and stuff. Mm. I do not. You're living in a bubble. <laughs> How dare you the fuck? I think the only way this podcast works is that all of us have to I think Anna have just to believe to that be no here. one listens yeah. to this. Like Anna's That's actually true. Yeah. We've kind of devolved. That's the only way that we her. can, it's, we can it's function. Sad. It's sad because we God. did good episodes at one point. Like at one point we knew how to make a podcast. Did we? Yeah. Oh, no, no okay. we did. We did. Better at least. And it was when Anna was here. <laughs> Uh, Anna, come. Well, okay. Anna is. We're going to physically see her. Yes. Maybe Pretty in the excited. next couple yes. of days because she's going to be in town. Hypothetically. The question is Will we record anything? The answer is um, I don't know. What's our next episode, though? Uh, uh, I don't know, actually. I forget after Harold and Mom. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. Something 70. Oh, The Godfather's the next one. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh my, uh, that's not happening. No, I'm telling you right sorry. now, we are not Lord. going to get what Anna on board. If you, I'm not joking. If you don't cut that out, I will like actually rip off your toenails one by one. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm like, I'll just like, remove the I w- sound, no. but I'll keep this conversation in. So then people, so people be, know that I have I'm, to be like, so people are what? scared of me. Well, people are like, what was it? Just so you know, though. <laughs> Like I, I'm not kidding. Uh, okay. This is not a this is not a joke. Okay. You will lose each of your toenails okay. and then okay. each of your eyelashes one by one. <laughs> oh my! And then I'll start on your teeth. Oh, but okay. don't worry, I'm not going to pull them out. I'm just going to break them <laughs> and leave them in your mouth. Sure. And make you chew them. <laughs> okay. okay. So I also cut this bit out too. <laughs> <laughs> How much? <laughs> I want to leave some. Be creative. In. Be very creative oh, in the editing room. I Fine. can't believe you cut everything together to make it sound like I said awful things to you. What? <laughs> How did you even do that? 
uh, when you comment on the editing within the episode. Nice. We try that every time, and you never cut anything out that we tell you to. Gosh darn it. I'm sorry. Okay, so I think uh, if we get Anna in her 72 hours here to watch The Godfather and record an episode on The Godfather... I will faint. I'm not gonna be able to get me to watch The Godfather. But, but I think that we could possibly do our idea for our extra content that is watching a favorite film of one of ours and then talking about it. I think we could get. Anna to do Lars and the Real Girl, which I didn't realize, same director as Gillespie. 2021's Cruella. Yep. Huh, wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's huh. yeah. Man, he's done some movies. Weird. Uh, that that does not seem like a... Uh, Atua Theory has died now. He did I, that I no I longer can take it seriously. Directors have no rhyme <laughs> or reason. They only have madness. <laughs> They're so true of you to say. <laughs> I've never been more inspired. Oh, wow. I can I can I say one thing oh, before wh- we wrap up? Oh. What do you want to say? Yes. That bit when when mods like cuz there's a million things to be you know that there are. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> wow. And then and then when when he's like, I'm going to marry her. I had very strong graduate vibes. Yeah. Because he hadn't really asked her yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, maybe that's just a thing of the time is I'm going to tell everybody I know that I'm going to marry this person despite the yeah. fact that I haven't talked to them about it at all. Because, <laughs> you know, women just say thing. yes. Although, I will say, the worst part of this movie is the priest, dude. <laughs> that bit at the end where he <laughs> is trying to in in <sighs> where he's trying to describe in graphic detail yeah. why he detests the idea of them getting married uh, made uh, me upset. It is interesting. I don't think that I, I I don't know if that aged well as well as the rest of this movie. You know what I mean? Cuz it's like is the is if the joke was like some kind of weird ageism body shaming type thing which is what it seems like I, I think that's in more poor taste now than it might have been in the past but like i just don't think that yeah. bit belongs in the movie like i just didn't like that well it is a, it's a pretty warm and fluffy movie for it to just randomly yeah. do that which which is what makes me feel like it would have been a more acceptable thing to say <laughs> almost you know what i mean Maybe. Right, like if it's if it thinks yeah. that it's tonally fitting, yeah, it doesn't now at the very least. Interesting, but I also like people like my grandpa are more comfortable. Like they'll they'll be pretty like appropriate and whatever, and then they're they're okay just saying shit like that every once in a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know no, that you know how I your grandpas that. do that. Yeah, no. and it's like nah, where are you coming from? And maybe the answer is the seventies. Okay, have you ever gotten <laughs> this thing? Maybe it's just me, but older people, like people from that sort of generation who grew up then and I now interact with, will do this thing where they're like, oh, you are a growing child. 
why are you not eating more? And then kind of body shame you for huh. being like not with not being like perfectly fit and simultaneously do that thing where they're like, oh, you're a growing child. You need to eat more food. Why are you not eating food? And then they'll just make a passive comment about just like, oh, oh, look at how, how chubby they are. <laughs> oh. Do you, do you have you never had that? I have people insisting to me I mean, that I'm really thin, which is not thin. true. I'm not. <laughs> you're on the thinner side of you, things. You look pretty thin. Say that I'm thin. I'm not thin. You're like kind of. You thin are though. well proportioned. Yeah. As far as BMI goes, I'm technically within reasonable levels, but not yeah. super great. I'm underweight. <laughs> I'm overweight. Suck we it. make up the whole yeah. spectrum. We don't have the morbidly obese with us, however. <laughs> the morbidly obese. In my weaker <laughs> moments, so I may though. think that, though. It's not true, oh. though. I, I know some morbidly obese people in my life. Yeah. Um, the trick is beep, beep, uh, to... Either find better coping mechanisms or oh. fix the things you're trying to cope oh, with. Yeah. I, that's my current strategy. Yeah. See if that'll work. Here's a question. Would you live in Mod's trailer house? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, but like, is there stuff. supposed to be something weird and sensual about the like touching <laughs> sculpture thing? No. I didn't really know what it was, but he like sticks his head in it. And moans. I and moans. And that was the bit when I was like, what? Wow. Don't know. Because I would just be like, that's an interesting texture, huh? Wood. Wood, yeah. <laughs> but not like, you know, wood. that kind of wood. <laughs> Fuck Woody Allen. Wood. You keep dropping it. It's uh, because we didn't do it in the intro. We didn't. I mean, I, I think it is important that we establish that in the intro so that uh, the audience is already seeing us antagonistically <laughs> and are not surprised when you randomly just go off on the audience for literally no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Oh, In a uh, way that I'm assuming is comedic. Hopefully. But I mean... Uh, only works as a joke if if no one's listening hmm. because if people are actually listening you're just swearing at our audience that's but a good point but it's like de it's like <laughs> detached though so like it's not yeah. real you can if, take okay. it less i've seriously. been told actually that's the thing is that i'm i'm emotionally sensitive enough that I, i've listened to the gus and eddie podcast <laughs> and they're mean to audio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> they do this thing where like, if you're an audio Dang listener, it. fuck you. That's right. Fuck off. I'm the audio listener. You piece of shit. And that's always me. <laughs> and so I get, and I feel sad. Like I, I do. Cause I'm so, so like, I'm sorry if that's you too. If, if, if me saying, fuck off, give me money, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you absolute cunt. You have to cut this out now. Um, if, if, the, if I, if I say that to you and that makes you sad, then fuck off. <laughs> you have to cut this 
how much am I You just have out? to beep every word that I say, no. and except for when I say you have to cut this out, Fuck. and you have to beep this too. <laughs> Yes, we need to. Uh, All I'm saying is that I really love you guys. We think you've been slacking off, Hunter. We're giving it. you work to do. Sorry. Yeah. So I'll much work. Time. I'll have some time. Uh, I'll make it work. Uh, good grief. Good grief. Well, I, I feel marginally awake now at the yes. end of the podcast as, as opposed to the beginning of the podcast, which I think will lead to a very interesting listening experience mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. Wednesday night when I put this on in the background to make sure that Hi. that we're maintaining quality quality standards. content uh, yep. <laughs> I, I try. think it it'll Fuck. it'll Sorry. be bad wow. <laughs> I think it'll be bad. it's gonna be okay <laughs> Oh, man. All right. This has been an episode <laughs> of the podcast. Do you have a quote? I, you guys should read. Yeah, uh, he's too busy sleeping. Okay. So my phone's uh, literally in another room, and I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, no. We keep, need to do the outro then. Just pull up my uh, pull up my letterbox review. It has what, a quote in it. What? Okay, what? So And someone else can read it. So uh, <laughs> this is the end <laughs> of the Movie Overload podcast in every possible sense. To the Movie oh, Overload. We We're never eating. recording another episode no! after this one. That's it. It is the end. Uh, we, we have failed as a podcast. This is this is a this is a this sign of the end. This is the end of it all. We can no longer. We can never recover from this. It's un unwinnable. We I spent will an never entire financially recover from swearing this. at the audience, arguing about Scott Pilgrim versus the Which, world. Which, by the way, I was so right about. I don't even know what was going on with you. Um, as and we say here at the end of every episode, oh my goodness, when this podcast zoos ends, are full, this is gonna go prisons are overflowing. <laughs> ah, how my, um, ah my, how the world still dearly loves the cage. Makes you think, right? Because also, aren't we in a cage of this podcast? Aren't we locked in to? Uh, making a hundred episodes we of are this in such deteriorating this content isn't a cage but this episode my is. body is a cage if you would uh like to never be bothered dancing please feel free to follow our social media where we don't do anything uh, if you'd like to give money and have nothing happen uh feel free to give us money on patreon uh and if you would like to listen to hours of a podcast from which you will gain nothing, <laughs> you can find uh, come back next week when we do The Godfather. <laughs> I think the ultimate expression of this podcast is... Yes, thank you. Ah, the yeah. French camel. But Orson Welles being incredibly drunk is somehow more comprehensible than this podcast episode <laughs> i i think honestly if we were completely messed up it would probably have made more sense it probably would have but you know we can't do that so no we're, we're good people i guess are we i don't think so I I don't think there are good people. I think good people 
is a thing that we created in our mental state. Uh, and people are not good and people are not bad. People just kind of are. Uh, but that that existential nihilism is unsustainable as a mental philosophy because we'll go into a crisis when we realize that uh, accepting our consciousness without being in denial of its implications uh, is insanity and will drive us all to madness. Well, that was poetry. I read Thomas Ligotti's <laughs> The Conspiracy Against the Human Race when I was in 12. Yeah, that sounds like something you would do. Don't hate me. Absolutely stellar performance from all three of us. You guys just got punked. We actually had a lot of interesting things to say about this movie, and we just decided to play a bit for the whole podcast. The whole podcast. We and decided not to say fell anything. for it. I did an extensive breakdown of all of the editing and lighting techniques in the film, outlined over a hundred pages of notes. None of it. None of it got. We're not going to use it because we're we're trolling you. It all got cut out. It turns out we actually recorded this on April first, and you're only hearing it now. What? It's almost as if April first is a stupid thing because the content <laughs> exists forever, and so people will just find it later and be incredibly confused. I hate it when that happens. Don't you? Oh, when well, it's a whole podcast. But episode? now we're doing it to you guys, so you're welcome. And they'll live on forever. Without even the the hint, oh, this was released on April 1st. Nah. Nah, you just got punked. Punked. Well, thanks for listening anyway. Uh, glad we were able to, to sucker you into that one. Yeah. Uh, give us money. Give us all your money. Uh, just to be clear, that is ironic. We, we are doing this ironically because... We are all vehement anti-capitalists, and we desperately want to starve. Honestly, give me your money, though. Like, I'll take it. Like, I might be anti-capitalist, but I'm not that anti-capitalist, you know? Uh, Yeah, we still have practical Share the wealth is all I'm saying. I have to buy gas to drive here to do this every week. That's true, so (laughs) I'm running out. It's not like I'm getting paid to edit. Oof. Or film things. It's not like Hunter's being paid to edit, either. Which is probably why he does the job that he does. Yeah. Because not having a profit incentive uh, actually still produces decent outcomes, perhaps. I I think that this is a very strange episode to tack that moral on to the end. It's because it was a... It's because it was an April Fool's Day joke that we did this. Like, we're we're being so fucking creative right now. Is it even a particularly good joke that's though. for the audience to determine and honestly if they hated it that's more in the spirit with april fools isn't it is that who actually what april, likes an april fool's that, day joke oh my, my goodness. only I understanding think you're of april fools is what i learned from spongebob which is when you get spongebob roped by the leg and he swings around and he gets smacked into several bags of flour and then thrown into a garbage can that's you're what right it's that that's what april fool's day is oh. It's just sadism. It is. It's one day in which we're allowed to make other people miserable. It's sadism that not even the masochists are into. It's just just there to cause pain Mm -hmm. for for one's own pleasure. 
Wow. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Ouch. Movies.